All right, we're recording. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for joining me for another episode of the Typical Skeptic Podcast. I have a returning guest. I think this is maybe his fourth time on my show. I originally found out about him from his appearance on Art Bell on Midnight in the Desert, and I'm talking about Dr. Michael Lynch. He's a fan favorite. Um, A lot of the, you know, subscribers like to see when he's on the show, and he always brings really good knowledge, and we're going to be talking about everything from, like, entity consciousness to... um, our consciousness and how it survives after death and uh, how ghosts can reach out and touch things. I was really interested in that, but um, let me tell you more about him. He's been a paranormal investigator for the past 27 years, investigating UFOs, ghosts, ancient civilizations, and government conspiracies. Dr. Lynch has over the past 14 years has had a long running radio segment on 97.1 St. Louis called Paranormal Tuesdays with guests and talked about all things paranormal add to this joint adventure with conspiracy agents podcast show which has developed the last few years dealing with government conspiracies dr lynch has been on television he's been on discovery channel sci-fi fox family abc family destination america and the national geographic channel he he was on movies uh he was on the shot the movie called the shadow worlds haunted boy children of the grave 2 and the soul catcher so, um, you know, I, I really, I'm really interested in talking to him again, and I, I really enjoy when he's on my show. I, I really, it, I really enjoy these conversations. So, I want to give him a big warm welcome, Dr. Lynch. Thank you for coming back on the show. How are you? I'm doing great. Thank you very much for inviting me. I, uh, I always have uh, room for new ideas and uh, new things, and um, this is a great format, a great platform to. Uh, express my ideas and my theories on where all this is going and what it all means. And uh, I appreciate it. Thank you very much, Robert, for inviting me back. And like I said, I'm, I am so shocked at some of your other guests. Uh, You just wouldn't believe it. And, and they are legends. I mean, legends in the paranormal world. And uh, I'm just so glad to hear them. uh, So still vibrant in their field and still doing still doing the great research that we all need to do so yeah i was uh, happy to have lloyd arbach on i was yeah. i had him on the other day and i was i was you know like talking to him because he's real evidence-based too you know mm-hmm. he's really evidence-based so like I, that's what i really want to yeah. get at is is the evidence you know like and, but i mean i think there's getting to what we were going to talk about tonight I, I know there's evidence that consciousness continues on after death and i've talked to many people about spirits and like what I wanted to talk to you about tonight is, is like how ghosts pierce the veil. I remember on your Midnight in the Desert show, you were telling Art about this experience that you had where this guy got scratched and it went through like the, I don't know what layer of skin that was. You're a doctor, you would know better than me, yeah. but it like yeah. went through his inner skin, you mm-hmm. know, and, mm-hmm. and it left a, like a really creepy scratch, a really hurt, probably hurtful scratch. And so oh, yeah. I wanted to, you know, focus somewhat on, and I want to talk about UFO disclosure too, but like, what, how do ghosts like touch things in the physical world? Does it have to do with energy and them mustering up energy or how, how does right. that work out in your, in your opinion? Okay. Well, not to, not to make it a too long drawn out uh, explanation, but what, what we're dealing with, the energy that we're dealing with is tachyon energy. It's tachyon what is, energy. What does tachyon mean? Tachyon. Well, in the ancient Greeks, it means um, uh, demented, demented energy. It means uh, dubuque energy or dubuque energy because it's um, so elusive. 
for a long time that we have not been able to put it into a box. But it's also so massive. It's so massive that it encompasses almost all of our universe. So let's just say all of our universe. So tachyons come from outside of our universe and they and they filter into our universe and they are virtually the energy that we understand as life. Okay, so everyone has taken um, uh, a magnifying glass. Let's just say when you were a kid, you had a magnifying glass and you went out and you put it up and the sun's light went through the magnifying glass and you could actually burn like a little leaf or something like that um, on a good summer day. Well, all you're doing with that is focusing white light. And there's seven or eight different variables of white light, which we see in the spectrum. And we also see unseen, well, we don't really see that with our human eye, but we do see unseen. We know that there's unseen light there. And it's in the infrared or the UV and the the mind, uh, or at least our receptacles, our eyes, uh, see it as either red or blue, you know, depending on the environment. So what what happens is, is think of the lens, think of the magnifying glass as a lens to focus the sunlight, this energy that's coming through. Now, if you can think of that idea, now think of the human consciousness and it's focusing, I know it's hard to do, especially when you're taking a test. Sometimes it's, it's focusing on a subject or a thing. Now, once it focuses, it's mindset it's its direction then it can actually become it can harness and focus this energy of tachyons and then impale us or maul us um, with what they think is their appendages so if they think they have a hand or a body then they do have one the the energy just compensates for it and develops it and we remember our bodies from the inside out. So our heartbeat is uh, more important than our sense of touch and our lungs are more important than anything else. So we go from the inside out and when we get to the outside, like fingers or whatever, then we can actually manipulate things. Now we have to do two things. One, memorize or have a memory that we have hands so that the energy will then coalesce and create it. That's our first focal point. The second focal point is, is that, is it dense enough or focused enough in density to actually have an effect? Now, I've been in several instances, several instances. Um, I think the one I talked about in the Art Bell was either one or one or uh, of the first instances where um, one of my, my team members was shooting video and um, he saw this orb, this white object, this orb come directly at him. And he thought it just moved to the side. Well, it didn't, it actually hit his shoulder and um, he goes, man, there's something burning me here. And we lifted up his shirt and sure enough, uh, his whole shoulder had looked like it had been scratched. And these are lines definite lines not it's not like a blister but it's like lines individual scratches that are below the dermis layer they're below the skin and as you watch them the the dermis layer starts to bubble up from the bottom from the inside and then comes up to the surface and so what we're seeing is a scratch 
from inside the body and then coming coming out. And the only thing that we know that that can happen in, in, in normal laws of physics is microwaves. And microwaves can come from, because they radiate from the inside of an object and excite water molecules, and then it shows. Okay, well... Wait a minute, I'm lost. <laughs> okay, okay. How does, how does a microwave... I'm, 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 you might have to do this in layman's terms. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a little bit... Uh, but it is a little bit confusing. It's like, right. how do, you're saying microwave energy, right? Ty- microwave energy is yes. similar to tachyon energy. Exactly, exactly. Okay. I get okay. it. I get because... It. It's in a frequency that excites water molecules, or it's in a frequency that um, is focused, but it's the focus doesn't seem to be on the surface of anything. It seems to be on the inside of something. So now, does the entity uh, use like what like what water molecule molecules that can like muster plus energy and then right. focus that towards projecting whatever it wants to do, like um scratch someone or bite someone or you know mostly at most of the time it scratches right right it scratches now think of an opera singer think of an opera singer or a um weightlifter um the more they practice at their art of either lifting weights and or singing what they're doing is they're taking energy and then the opera singer takes air and they manipulate the air into pressurized gas, pressurized molecules, which creates the note and the song that they sing. My voice is a wave packet of, of sound. And the more I work at this, the better I'll become. So a toddler comes out and uh, a toddler comes out and says, you know, goo goo gaga. Well, in reverse, he's actually saying mom and dad, but in forward, he's saying goo goo gaga. But the more he practice practices a speech pattern could be of any language all children can adapt and adopt um any language at any time so i can take an american baby and put it in saudi arabia it'll learn saudi you know take a saudi arabian baby and put it in america it learns american you know so um the more we do this the 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 more focused and the more accurate we become. So if I'm lifting weights and I focus, I always want to build my biceps. Well, then those are the exercises that I'm going to do to build my biceps. Now, we are in uh, a sea of energy, an energy that has different levels and variables built into it automatically. Okay, so we are not dealing technically with um, all of the energy. So we're not dealing with electrons or quantum or a lot of this, but what we're de- but as good models, we're dealing with a form of energy that reacts and becomes compliant with your mind, with your consciousness, because your consciousness is made up of a very similar type of material. Now, everyone in the world, and I mean everybody, I mean even psychics. Uh, come to me and, and we'll talk about their abilities. But there's two things that are going on simultaneously, which a lot of people, we, which we miss for a long time. And that is that it has a field effect, has a has this field effect, and then it has this isolated pocket effect. 
So you're conscious. Okay, so you take a glass of water, take a glass of water, and then you put an ice cube in the water. Okay, and what happens is, is that we know logically and chemically the ice cube and the water are identical. They're identical in composition, except one is cold and it's slower, moving slower. So I put it into the water, the ice cube, I put it into the water. Now the water is at room temperature, so it's moving slightly faster and it becomes liquid. So what we see is this um, ice cube and it floats around into the water and it's identical to the medium in which it is in. So we have to come to the concept of why is one denser and then why is one a field effect? So the, so the gla- water in the glass is the field effect, but the ice cube is bouncing around in it like a natural thing. So, so, so you have- cube, Right, what are the ice yeah. cubes bouncing around in energy? Is that yeah, right? The, right, exactly. You just bounce around in the water because it's all energy. So, so we have a fish. Let's think of it like this. We have a fish and it's swimming around in your fishbowl or your aquarium and the fish goes up. And the fish goes down and he's just sitting there, goes side to side. Well, if I grab the fish and take him out of his medium, which is water, take him out of the fishbowl and I put him on the, the desk, I'll just put him on the desk. Um, he's pretty helpless. Okay. He's going to suffocate. He cannot move around very far because he's now has weight. He's not weightless. And so you look at this fish and you go, well, there's something about the, unique about this fish. And the fish is in water, okay? That's the medium that gives the fish its capability of doing something. And that's either swimming or breathing or eating or whatever. We have to look at the same thing. The tachyon field effect, like quantum, quantum is a good model. Um, tachyon field effect is everywhere. And when you're an entity, whether you're full-bodied or an orb or mist or whatever you really want to be, you could be anything, um, you fly around, okay? Not because of the air molecules in the air, not because of the quantum fabric, it's because you're in a field of tachyons that give you that capability. That's amazing. Like, so it's all, so it's like, uh, I mean, it's, it's, it makes me question like what exactly this reality is, you know, like it, 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 are we, what are we dealing with here? I mean, when people say to you, and this is, I know this is a little bit outside the, the, the question box, but I'm sure you've had to have thought about this. Like when people talk, say to you, like, do you think we're living a simulation or is it, is this somewhat of a holographic reality based on these principles of energy and like, and, and what you see, what, what would you, how would you, what would you say to that question? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, there have been discoveries now, which make everything, which there are measurements, which have never been developed before, that are smaller than the smallest Planck length. And if you know Max Planck, um, you probably don't know him, but if you knew him, he created the smallest measurement possible of our reality. And he said that everything is made up of these small planks. He called them, well, he has his last name is Plank. But anyway, these small planks that go together like a dot matrix 
and they um, produce the reality that we're in. They actually produce it. Now, the Planck length is just a unit of measurement, but what is really happening is there's something called a quasi-crystal, a quasi-crystal. And it's the smallest, smallest, smallest crystal in the world, in, in, in all of our nature. And so you have energy, which has to excite the crystal, and it comes in, and it bounces around inside the crystal. And then it becomes a micro nanoparticle of our reality. And all of our reality is comprised of quasi-crystals. And once the energy goes into it, it illuminates. It becomes self-aware, not self-aware, but illuminates. So you have a um, plasma screen television or a monitor on your computer. Okay, each one of those little things in there is a, is a, is a crystal. It's a crystal-based. And light is coming through that. And then we assume that it is real because why? It's, it's part of our reality. Okay, so here's, here's, here's an example which I used to give out a long time ago. Um, I have a photograph on my computer, okay? I, I took a photograph and I put it onto my computer. Okay, now the computer is just a, 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 it's just a, a medium. It's just a medium of ones and zeros and a lot of electricity. The photograph that I've put on my computer thinks in its head that it's real. Let's say it just assumes that it's real. And you know, down deep, it's not real. It's just made up of ones and zeros. But it, it, is, it assumes it is, you see. So, so if, if we are in this reality, whatever form, and Dr. Strange can talk to you about the multiverse. But anyway, whatever <laughs> form of reality that you think you're in is still comprised of the same thing, of the same energy. It is universal. It's universal. So, so when I was um, a lot younger, uh, I come up with the conservation of space theory. And the conservation of space theory really did help us out because um, everyone is saying, okay, there's a reality over here. Oh, there's a reality here, and there's a reality here, and there's a reality here, and there's a reality here. Well, what purpose does it serve to have all these other realities or multiverses or dimensions when you have to create new energy sources for each multiverse, for each verse. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. But then you have, okay, so you take some R Russian nesting dolls, Russian nesting dolls, and, and, you, and, you, and you take them one at a part, and then there's another one inside. And you take that one out, and then there's another one inside, and it keeps on going, going, going. My grandmother because, used to have those when I was a kid, like in her yeah. house. Like I remember yeah. playing with them as a kid. Like that, those are so interesting. Like yeah, like so, I remember those. Yeah. So there's what is the reason for having um, extraneous, extraneous multiverses when all you have to do is put one multiverse in the center, and then radiate all the energy all the same energy throughout every universe. Well, I have a question. What okay. exactly is the multiverse? And then on top of that question, like if you think about like, and this is like, I might be going off on a tangent here, but like no, sorry. If you look at like the work of Robert Monroe, like, you know, journeys out of the body. He would, 
talk about like that he had problems like when he would he would go sore in his out of body experiences all around the universe but he would have problems going through the van allen belt and he you know he he, uh, he talks about this and i guess where i was going with that was um like i'm trying to figure out like w- like what the multiverse is if we can't even access it like you know there were people like robert monroe who were able to have these journeys and there are many other out-of-body travelers i'm trying to become one but we 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 can't access these other dimensions we mm-hmm. you know that we it's you know some people take dmt they try to access them some people ayahuasca uh, yeah, yeah everything ayahuasca, yeah everything. yeah lsd like, ayahuasca you name it yeah but it's like it seems like it, it's like and then like there's like you know 60 percent of the population maybe 70 80 percent that doesn't even know these things exist you know right so right. what is the purpose from the creator's standpoint that why would he have created this for us? Who, and we don't even know who the creator is. It could be a computer programmer somewhere. So I know that was a lot uh, of way. questions, but what do you yeah. think about all of what I just said? Yeah. Um, the reason why, okay, there's, it. okay, the way it was explained to me, I'm sorry, I'm having a little trouble with my headset here. Uh, the way it was explained to me is that on, at Christmas or on your birthday or whatever, and someone brings you a gift, they always wrap it up and they make it look really shiny and really, you know, cool. So um, then they tell you, well, you have to wait. You have to wait to open it on a certain time and date, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, so you do. And the anticipation gets higher and higher and then you just can't hope, you know, you just can't help yourself and Christmas Eve comes or Christmas day or your birthday comes or whatever. And all these gifts are there and, and you, and you tear, you tear one open and you go, Oh wow, that is like the coolest truck in the world. You know, it's like GI Joe's and stuff, you know, and you, and you go, wow, that I just, I just couldn't wait any longer. But in the meantime, while you're waiting for that moment to arrive, your imagination ran wild and said, I wonder what's in the box. Tell me what's in the box. You know, I can't stand what's, you know, what's not in the box. But our minds didn't have the paradigm capability to break out of this thinking and, um, and know what was in the box. But we have to develop a paradigm for that. I'm, I'm developing a new video called the key of imagination and your imagination is the key to break out of the box and that imagination that key which is your imagination is the only thing that cannot be stopped the human imagination is is just is just so powerful you just it, 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 it's almost impossible to be stopped so anyway um, so getting Wait, back the to, imagination is kind of the way a way to break out of the matrix is what you're saying exactly exactly so so we are given a bunch of data a bunch of information um, like your computer screen like uh, ice cubes and water we're given all this data okay but if our minds can't wrap around it um, it stops us the only thing that limits the human condition is its mind the more we open our mind, the more we accept different paradigms, the, the broader our consciousness becomes. So 
the reason why we can't go and do certain things in astral travel is because one, we're still connected to the body. And two is we don't have the paradigm uh, in our physics or understanding to actually accept it. So that, that limits us. And there's an old saying saying the only thing that limits you is your imagination, is your ability to accept and, and understand this, this realm that we're in. But, but never, ever, ever think that there's just one way of doing it. We are in a reality with layers upon layers upon layers of energy, layers upon layers. All the energy is non-congruent, meaning it doesn't necessarily have to work together or can work extremely well together. But a lot of what we understand of our reality is not mental. It's not through consciousness, it's through physics. And by analytics, we understand our reality. It's not because our consciousness is, becomes more and more aware. It's because our physics has gotten a little bit better and better of explaining why nature does what it does and how it does what it does. But what is missing is the consciousness equation, which course i got but consciousness and the energy that it deals with is so massive so so massive it was so big we we couldn't see it because of the trees or they couldn't see the forest because of the trees but we were in the forest i just couldn't see it because it was everywhere you know plato's cave right yeah yeah exactly The, the shadows on the wall the shadows on the wall is that the reality or is just that reality impressing upon me so that I can understand it and see it? Um, there's an, an old, there's an old um, in China, they had these, um, oh, they, I forgot what they're called, but they're, they're like paper puppets, but they're, they put them on a screen and they show a, a, a light behind them. And these paper puppets move around and it's just a silhouette. It's just a silhouette on a rice paper screen. And they'll talk and stuff like that. If you ask a child, what did he see? He'll say, oh, I saw warriors and I saw princesses and I saw kings and I saw, you know. But if you look to ask an adult, what did you see? And the adult will say, I just saw some silhouettes. You see, it's all in the level and level of of imagination and a level of energy that focuses that imagination that makes it all work. Now, now I got a question Wait, before, and hold that. I, now, does that does that um, same rules apply and make it any, even maybe even easier when we access the afterlife? Because I remember yes. you saying okay. that we can still have things like in the afterlife. Like if I want to vape in the afterlife, I just have to imagine having a vape, and it'll happen. Do you really think that's possible? Absolutely. Absolutely. In, in so many near-death experiences, people talk about walking through lush fields of grass, seeing mountains and trees that they've never seen before. And the colors are so vivid. They're almost undescribable. And they'll talk about things like their dog or their pet that they had when they were a child. And the, the pet comes running up to them. And it's like, you know, why should that pet be there? Um, but in that verse, in that universe, in that verse, the, it is 
designed, and I, I'm not going to step on anybody's toes here because a lot of people don't know God, but are the creator, don't know the creator. But in the creator, from the creator's point of view, he is doing everything he can to make sure that you excel at everything that you want. And so in the afterlife, that's, that guarantee is still there. And so they, he says, okay, well, what do you need to be you? What do you, what do you need to be happy? And many questions come up, like, what's the future of mankind? Or uh, will my people be okay? Or, you know, there's a lot of questions that come up. But every time, you, every time in the afterlife, the afterlife and the creator become compliant and say, okay, you can have that. If you want ice cream, here's ice cream. You know, <laughs> uh, you know, if, great afterlife. I mean, yeah, you yeah. think the afterlife is just like uh, this life without a body? No, no, it's no, it's a, uh, it's a vacation. You, you, there are no bills to pay. There's, 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 <laughs> yeah, I never thought about it that way. Like, you know, you know? Uh, when you okay, <clears throat> when you talk to an angel, next time you get a chance, to talk to an angel. I I I'm not, I haven't seen any recently. <laughs> I know, I know. But okay, it's a hard to get a hold of. <laughs> well, not really, but well, I'm how like do you, a, well, that's what I want to know. I want to know, uh, like, how do I mean? I access the spirit god in my past life regression. Well, you know, that was very, interesting, but like, yeah. you know, like, yeah. I, I don't know. Um, okay, so when you talk to, let's say, an angel, now. Again, I don't want to step on anybody's toes, but an angel is the will of the creator. So if, if you think that if you pray and you are praying over someone who's sick or someone who needs something or something like that, your prayer is a signal that is so precise that the universe and angels automatically start to kick in. And, and, if you talk to an angel, they won't know what money is. They have no idea of what money is. They have no idea what bills are. They have no idea what the, you know, the, the societal weight that we put on our shoulders just to make a living. You know what I'm saying? Um, they don't understand that. But they do understand health. And they do understand helping. Because they are the will. If the creator wants it, then they go do it. You know, that's, that's their function. And so they don't have a lot of concept in this reality of ours because we've created almost all of our problems. And, and let me ask you this, and we can go in a little bit deeper. In a okay. okay. Was our reality created by fallen angels? You know, maybe the Anunnaki, who they gave well, us everything that yeah. we know, right? Like, was mm -hmm. that a fallen angel tech, you know, like technology type stuff? Or what would you say? No, um, no. Uh, okay. Okay. I'm going to tell you this. And at right now, the way the world sets, it won't make any sense. But when you get a little bit older, a couple of years down the road, <laughs> you'll, you'll start to realize that this is the way it all is. Now, now listen to me closely. Our universe, everything, everything in our universe was created by one thought, a thought. 
and it created our universe. Okay, you can call it the Big Bang, you can call it a lot of things coming together, congruency, black hole uh, deposit, whatever, and then it just had the Big Bang start all over again. Well, that's true. That's what universes do. They, they go through a series of these cycles. Our universe is hundreds of billions of years old. It is not whatever they think it is. And it has com- collapsed and recreated itself three or four times. Um, the oldest uh, civilizations on the planet talk about we're in the third or fourth age, you know, and we don't want to go into the fifth age because the fifth age will be like, um, will be like horrible. We'll lose everything. Well, of course yeah. we will. We've already lost things, you know, and we probably already all lived through all those ages if we believe in reincarnation, right? Exactly. Exactly. There was this old thing, and I don't remember if it was Doctor Who or if it was on the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Um, they they all end up in a bar at the edge of the galaxy, and and they watch it. They're outside of time, so they watch the universe collapse and then expand band and collapse and over a cocktail or a beer or whatever they watch the universe create and destroy itself several times because they're so far outside of time they're not even related to that reality any longer and then that's where our consciousness is um and i make this argument so much um einstein was einstein was wrong i hate to say this but he was wrong there is no such thing as time there's no such thing as time. Time does not exist. Now, even in this reality, there's no such thing as time. Time is a construct that we've created, like the color blue or white shirts. We just created it. So the whole concept is, it's not X, Y, it's Z. And Z is the slice of positioning of something. Okay, it's not time. And everyone runs back to Einstein and says, it's time. And I said, no, there's no such thing as time. It's particle decay. The only time that we have is particle decay. You're born, you start to decay. You know, suns are created, they start to decay. You know, and all of that is natural. That's the way our universe was designed. It was designed to create only one thing, and that's carbon. The carbon in your pencil is the same as the carbon in your molecules. We're all carbon based and that's all the universe really does is create carbon and spreads it throughout the universe it took three massive suns to create the carbon in my molecule in and the molecules in my in my hand so where were we during that time well we were waiting okay um so you have a planet and a planet there's life on it germinates creates and there's life each planet is unique throughout the entire universe because it has a certain frequency of resonance if you're not from that planet then you have to do something to alter your resonance to make it match that planet so you can stay on it so what do you do well you create some hybrids you breed with the local community you know what i'm saying so that you can have offspring that is from that planet and that can maintain its resonance. If not, you're razor, I mean, like you're saying, maybe that's what the Anunnaki did. And that's what exactly, doing. exactly. Gilgamesh, Marduk, where they said two thirds God and one third man. So 
they were having, they were inter, interbreeding with the local population after the population got up on their feet. Yeah. I, you see I what I'm saying? This, I have this Anunnaki genealogy table. I don't know. Yeah, I, I know. I love that. I'm going to get one of those. I'm going to get one of those. A bit, well, what, what's cool is it goes from, like, it, it has, like, you know, it'll say the Anki created Marduk, but then it goes down into the Bible characters, too. And then it yes. splits off and it goes into Saudi Arabia and Egypt yeah. and, like, all, all. So it shows that Gerald Clark did that, I told you. Um, yeah. But he was amazing. And he, like, saw this and he, he, he you know, like, he, he put it all together. Well, I was like Sitchin did it, and people give Sitchin a lot of shit. But like, no, I don't. I don't. It's like it's like um, he was a pioneer, and then Gerald came along, and he kind of refined it, and and he put this table together. And I think this table should be like on everybody's wall because like it's it's a correct version of maybe our history. You know, I oh. just don't understand how Noah ended up with like three different names. I guess that's like different cross cultures, like how Anki was Poseidon and. Right. Was Zeus and yeah, exactly. No, it was just Atrahasis, right? And Zeus, exactly. Yeah, uh, I I love how the uh, names of these gods got converted into whatever language it was available. So the Greeks turned it into uh, Zeus, Achilles, uh, you know, Poseidon, and the uh, Nordics, the Celts, uh, was Odin and Thor and Loki and all these other gods that are out there. And if you look at it, you know. If you're up there on Mount Olympus, uh, you can do whatever you want. I mean, think of a, 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 a cannon. Think of a cannon. Think of a gun that shoots lightning bolts. This is what Tesla was talking about. Yeah. You know, shooting lightning bolts at your enemy. You're destroying airplanes while they're in air. You know, um, that technology today is not that far-fetched. We have particle beam weapons that can do that. I mean, it's yeah, part- didn't, you, didn't they say that Tesla had made a particle beam weapon? Yes, yeah, he did. He did. He, it was a it was a long tube. It was uh, made of glass, and he was running electricity through one end, and then and it would get shrink. It would shrink down in the glass tube, and then it would come out the other end. And so, if you were metallic it would just automatically go to you because it would look for ground and being metallic and the airplanes at that time were turning into aluminum aircraft. So uh, at that time he thought, well, yeah, if you're a metal, anything with metal, I can strike it and it will become electrified. And if you electrify an engine, well, it just dies, dies in midair. We have microwave guns, uh, microwave microwave capability which targeted at at a car engine will shut it down okay i didn't know oh yeah yeah um with infrasound we can put you to sleep all i do is put you in a chair in a room and i can pump infrasound through the walls and it'll make you drowsy and go to sleep uh we have we have technology today not only for crowd control which is that infrared big infrared disc which is um shoots out infrared particles which is very similar to microwave but just again refocused and it will start to burn your skin it'll start to burn you and that's that's long from particle beam i mean particle beam i'm shooting i'm shooting something it's going to blow up or it's going to melt right in front of me um they had a particle beam laser 
I guess, on a, on a battleship. And they flew drones by it, you know, like, like shooting skeet. And they would lock in on the part with a particle beam laser and boom, within seconds, seconds, the, the drone just melted or exploded and fell into the ocean. So if you have hypersonic or super subsonic or supersonic or whatever um, missiles, it makes no difference. It makes no difference because as soon as it leaves the launch pad for 11 seconds or less, we can blow it up. So if something's going, we have that capability. Oh yeah. Yeah. We've got it today. We've got it today. And and we've been working on talk about it because like, they don't want to, (laughs) they don't want anybody to know out of the bag. Like what's interesting about that is I heard that we have super, what we, well, here's what I understand. I heard we have hypersonic weapons. I don't want to make this political because no, no, it's just scientific. I mean, it's just research. We have that capability as well, but why would we even use those if we have this technology or what's, are we saving that like in case we need to pull out the big guns or something or what? What's exactly. Um, okay. President Clinton, uh, while he was president said that if there is a nuclear war, America will shoot second, meaning that we'll absorb the first impact of whatever sent to us. And then that we'll retaliate. Okay. So if China, North Korea, big Russia decides to launch on us, uh, under the Clinton administration, there was a policy adopted that we would wait it out. We would, we'd wait and see what the impact was, and then we would retaliate. Now, under the Reagan administration, <laughs> under the Reagan administration, which a lot of people didn't tell you about, was we, developed, we were developing at the time Star Wars. And Star Wars was a pocketed of satellites all over out in outer space that would shoot down incoming ballistic missiles, ICBMs. Okay. Um, everyone thinks that that just vanished. No, we spent billions of dollars. We spent billions of dollars uh, to develop that weapon system. And it's still there today. I mean, it's still being developed. And so when Bill Clinton said we would take the first strike, meaning that all they have to do is launch and then we'll just blow theirs out of the air. Yeah. So if, then if we decide to really retaliate, we could launch again. And that's, that's we, so interesting. Like we, we know just, that they don't have what we've got. We know that. I mean, for a fact. Um, so even if it was Russia, China, North Korea, whomever, men from Mars, uh, we would be using particle beam weapons to shoot it down. Now, on, on a smaller, more basic level is the Patriot missiles. Now, you can set up a Patriot missile, and if something's flying around like a, a helicopter, then you can shoot your Patriot, and it's going to follow it, and it's going to blow it up. Well, this is the same so concept. The Patriot but is do- like a hypersonic, it's a, but it's not as uh, powerful. Right. It doesn't, doesn't have the, the range or the power. But it's the same concept as doing it from space. All you need is GPS or a motion, a motion quotient. So if you have a plane going through the air or a missile going through the air at hypersonic speed, all you need is to lock on to it. That's all you need. Now, I mean, let me ask you this. This is a really interesting question. If you, I don't know if you're going to have the answer. And if you don't, I don't ju- judge you because I, I don't have the answer. <laughs> okay. How do you think secret space ties into 
current events with what's going on today like i mean like does it i mean do you i mean like do you think like we have the i mean i mean i know we've talked about we have the ships like we have a lot of different ships and like how would that factor into with what's going on today or does it i could i could win the conflict in the ukraine right now with a hundred drones that's how powerful that's how much we've got our satellite technology is giving the ukrainians photographs in real time of the convoys of russian soldiers and tanks coming into their country so we are feeding them information i mean we can give them billions of dollars in toys and tools and guns and things that go bang but it's our satellite technology that's going to win the war and if i had a hundred drones all with they wouldn't even have to be nuclear grade but all with high explosives i could fly these drones guided by our satellites into these combat zones and I wouldn't care if the drone came back at all. I would, I would just know that it, that payload would be delivered. Do you think that's the future of warfare? Oh, yeah, it is. Absolutely. It's that or business. The future of warfare is really going to be cut, cutting a deal. Cutting a deal. Now, we screwed up that deal in Afghanistan because we offered the Taliban 10% of all the oil trade that was going to come out of their country. The Taliban was said, no, we went 30, and then the next day they went to war. And then that was all, that war was all about, was a, a disagreement on, on, uh, on copyright and patent laws. I mean, this, it, was just, it was just, we want your oil, we want you to ship it out of your country to us, and we'll give you 10%. And they go, no, we're not Jed Clampett, we are, yeah. you know, we're, we're a full nation, you know. Lifestyles of the rich and famous. Famous, right? No, it's it's like it's like we got a whole nation here. Uh, we got to feed that nation, and we're in the middle of the desert, and the only export we've got is oil. Well, that didn't stop the Americans. It didn't stop the oil companies. British Petroleum went in there and and dug out a larger uh, docking system so big ships could come right up into. Afghanistan, I mean, right up to the border of Afghanistan, to the harbors, and start loading oil. They were paying, in the, during the war of Afghanistan, some people may remember it was a long war, um, they were paying drivers $10,000 a day to drive empty trucks from the harbor up to the oil refinery, and then back again. And these guys wow. were being shot at bombed people were running out trying to blow stuff up and it's like no it was the oil it was the oil if oil companies would pay a driver and they had thousands of them ten thousand dollars a day british petroleum built a brand new harbor for their oil tankers uh i, I don't think we're there because behind these fossil fuels like and, yeah. and that's why like when dr greer talks about and we can even get into ufo disclosure but like oh yeah we like do when that. dr greer talks about that we have this free energy technology that's not being released to the public that we can really i mean i don't know that's going to take like 
uh, uh, that would literally, uh, to, to make a quote, that would have to take the hand of God to change the system that we have right now, because it's just like you said, big oil, you know, there's big pharma. Well, big oil doesn't want to ever lose out on that money. And they would never take that kind of loss, right? That is correct. And we will invade any country at any time. I mean, I, I don't, I'm sorry. I'm talking like an oil executive. Uh, we'll invade any country at any time to get what we want. And that is the way That's big sad. oil thinks. That's the way they think. Yeah. And they are unstoppable. They are unstoppable. When British Petroleum had the leak in uh, the Gulf of Mexico and destroyed the economy the, of the, all the fishermen and most of the restaurants in the bayou, um, our senators wanted to apologize to British Petroleum. For what? They're the ones who screwed up. Yeah. And, and so you're sitting there going, okay, well, oil has just killed out all of the, the life, indigenous life in that area. It'll take them years to rebuild that indigenous life. That means hundreds of thousands of people quit being fishermen and just went broke. Just oh, went broke. Okay. Yeah. Okay. There's these guys up in uh, Washington State. Uh, I think it's Washington, outside of Mount Rainier, I think it is. Okay, uh, I used to know the guy, oh, I can't think of his name right now, but anyway, I knew the guy who started it all, and he was contacted by Pleiadians and uh, uh, was told to start this um, society called E, capital E, SETI. Okay. That's James and, Gilliland, right? James Gilliland, that's it, that's it. I'm sorry, I'm James Gilliland, I'm sorry, I forgot your name, I'm, but, he, but anyway, um, E SETI, now, James met some extraterrestrials. Okay, I'm just going to say that. Uh, they were Pleiadian. Okay. And they, they, they showed him um, something the size of a pack of cigarettes. Let me get this. This is not a pack of cigarettes. This is just one of my cameras. But anyway, showed him something this size, pack of cigarettes. Yeah. And he, they said, okay, this will run your house for 30 days. This little battery device or whatever it was and he says he says all you have to do is plug this in it came like a you know a little cord and you just plug it in anyway it would run your house and he says that is as close to free energy as we can possibly imagine do you think oil companies would sit here and want us to have that no no they don't I knew a guy, I knew a guy who got 97 miles per gallon from a gallon of water and drove from <laughs> Los awesome. Angeles to DC to, to the patent office. Yeah, to the patent office. And he couldn't get it patented. He patented this engine in six other countries, but they wouldn't let him patent it in America. And then he was supposed to meet with some investors. And so during lunch, uh, they all have a, a sandwich and he bites into his sandwich. He gets up and he, it's cyanide. They poisoned him with cyanide. Oh, wow. And he gets outside the door and he collapses and he's dead. His brother takes up the mission and tries to go ahead with the patents. They get stopped each time. It's patented in Japan. It's patented in France. It's patented in England. So you can, there's an there's a engine that runs on hydrogen. And all you do is you take this device, okay, 
which there are several of them now that have been made now. And you put in some baking soda, the same stuff you just put in your toys, uh, your submarine toys and put them in the water. But you put in baking soda and then you flip the electricity of your car. It starts to generate hydrogen. It goes through a tube, goes right into your carburetor. Boom, you're on pure hydrogen. Wow. Now you Now what the smart thing is, is you cut off your catalytic converter and you cut off your muffler and you put on the stripe pipe plastic and what your waste is is hot water because once the hydrogen reacts in the chamber it releases and then it goes with oxygen and hydrogen and oxygen boom the second chamber hits and then boom your waste is water not carbon not pollution it's something that's going to go right back into the atmosphere and clean out the atmosphere that's amazing we have trillions of tons, trillions of tons of aluminum, zinc, phosphorus, junk, all in our atmosphere. Tons, trillions of tons. Not only that of carbon, methane, nitrogen, you name it. You okay. know what's so interesting that you brought up this conversation is uh, when I was listening to I was listening to an Art Bell interview today, and he was I don't know if you remember this one when he uh, was interviewing Benjamin Krem, who used to talk about the Maitreya. The- <laughs> It, you know, like there was the Maitreya, he was supposedly some kind of, oh, yeah. mm-hmm. but, but anyway, Art said to him, he said, this was back in 98. He mm-hmm. said, if yeah. we keep going for 40 years with the oil that the way we're going, he said in 40 years, all of our oil on the earth will be ran out. No, that's, that's not quite right. Um, we have, uh, as a nation, America and Alaska, um, we have enough oil to last over 400 years, just with what we've got. Okay. Now, you take it with the leases that they haven't even touched, and they're off the coast of Mexico, off the coast of uh, Texas, and back up to Alaska. They have got hundreds of thousands of acres of not only the seabed, seafloor, but hundreds of thousands of acres that uh, has oil below it. They've not even drilled down to tap it. Then why are okay. we fighting over oil then? What's, what's the... Because the oil companies sell their oil, whether it's Conoco, Exxon, whoever, sell their oil to the highest bidder globally. Yeah. So the Saudi Arabians sell it globally. Exxon sells it globally. Um, Japan sells whatever they've got globally. China wants that oil, so they're going to go over there and drill it first. Yeah. But this is all sold on a global market. It has nothing to do with nationalities. They're not, they're not national at all. Yeah. Okay, and the government, okay, now get this. All of our aircraft carriers, all of our battleships, and all of our submarines are nuclear-powered. The only thing that they need gasoline for is Jeeps, tanks and jets jet fuel yeah okay so our military has by law a reserve of millions of gallons of gas and oil wow but then we're playing this game at the pumps where we're paying out the ass right now because during wartime they needed this because why 
uh, aircraft carriers, battleships, they all ran off of diesel or they all ran off something. But they're all nuclear now. They don't need even a half of the, of the energy that they're storing. And so when Biden comes on and says, oh, I'm going to release some of the National Reserve. Well, in the old days, everybody would throw up their arms and go, oh, no, what if we're attacked? What if we have to go to battle? You know, what, what are we going to do? Well, everything's nuclear. Even the Russians have nuclear submarines and nuclear battleships. It's like no one uses gas anymore. It's a dead, it's a dead animal. And the more they produce, the cheaper it should get. But it's not. It's what whoever bids on it. And it's so regulated, it's like diamonds. It's like the beers and their diamonds. So, so in Brazil, the, the price of gas goes down. But in America, it goes up. Okay, in America, it goes down. In Japan, it goes up. Okay. So it's like, uh, uh, yeah, but like, I know, I know. They, that, they get their money. They get their money no matter what. Yeah, I know that us in England right now, because I, I talked to somebody from England, their gas prices are high too. Oh, yeah. There's you no know? need. There's absolutely no need. Absolutely. Okay. In 40 years, we're all going to die of emphysema anyway. Um, asthma, emphysema, because there's so much junk in the air. Yeah. And a new, and a new, new documentary has just come out. And I want to, because I, I researched this about 20 years ago, but no one listened to me then. But it's called uh, The Dimming, Dimming, or The Dimmed. And um, it's on YouTube and it's also out there. You can type in The Dimmed. Dimming and it's where right and and it's where these jets are out there just polluting the air now i called the epa at one time and i asked them how high is the sky because i was really concerned and they said nineteen thousand five hundred feet that's the height of the sky so if i'm flying at twenty thousand feet i can pollute i can throw out underwear i can throw out junk and no one's going to stop me you see no. And one time I was flying back from Europe and um, we were coming into Chicago or something like that. And all of a sudden I'd look outside and there's this plane and it's like leaving this chemical trail. Okay. This trail, the pilot of my plane. Okay. That was good. That one was going like just below us. And the pilot of my plane went into this crazy turn to avoid that tail. I'm looking no. over at the no. yeah. I'm I'm looking over at the radar here, you know, because it tells you where you're at and your altitude. And it was exactly twenty thousand feet. And that pilot, my pilot, knew what was going on and changed his route in order so that we wouldn't go through that tail. So wow. this is not. It was not a kips. It was. I mean, it was. They kept a secret as long as they possibly could, but then all of a sudden they can't because they. They pollute all the time. On the day after 9-11, the only airplanes that went up was one, to get the bin Laden family, and two, to spread chemtrails. And we have the satellites to prove it. What's it doing for them? Pardon? What's the chemtrails doing for them? I think that's the question that everybody has. What's it doing for them? Okay, okay. Uh, Is this just a plan to kill us? I mean, like, what's... No, no, they're so stupid. It's just stupidity. Uh, okay, a few hundred years ago, back when the world was young, um, they said no more chemical dumping. You can't dump your chemicals anywhere, and you can't bury them anywhere because we were running out of land to bury toxic waste. We were running out of land. to They couldn't go deep enough. So they started developing salt mines that were not being used anymore, and they were going to put 
nuclear waste in there and toxic waste in there and hope, hopefully that they would just bury themselves. Well, there wasn't enough time. So what they decided to do was take some of the base elements of toxic waste and put it into jets and spray it over America, over Russia, over whatever, wherever they were, because they couldn't bury it anymore. And so they sprayed it. They sprayed it. Like, okay, I understand a few parts per billion isn't going to wreck my day. But the, the problem being, the problem being is that these are going 24-7 now. And they're 747s filled with toxic waste at 20,000, 30,000 feet. And I've seen them actually write letters in the sky at over St. Louis. Is there any way to protect ourselves from it? No. They do it just before it rains. And so the rain comes in, and within eight hours, it's going to hit the ground anyway. They've got it timed. Um, but the rain comes in, dilutes it, they hope, and it rains down. So all this stuff going into your, your yard, it's getting on your car, it's uh, going into streams Vegetable. and lakes and everything. And then they say, well, you know, um, uh, you know, we have so much nitrogen in our water supply. Where's all that coming from? Well, it's coming from jets that are flying over America, dropping toxic waste. And so all this nitrogen and toxic waste is building up in our underground water supply. We've had slagtites and slagmites develop in our underground aquifers to the point that it looks like a billion years ago. And, wow. and, and there's, a, there's a, an aquifer called the, uh, it's like the Okalpogol or Okalagua something um, aquifer. And it runs down the Midwest. And a few years ago, I mean, when I was a lot younger, and a few, few years ago, it was pretty high. But they say now that when you drill a well into this aquifer, you have to go 200 feet deeper than what it was just a few years ago. So we're losing our underground water, and it's filled with nitrates now because of farming, air pollution, air pollution, everything. So all of our industries that, that shut down and went to China or went to wherever they went just polluted them. It didn't stop the pollution, and that's on a global level. So everyone's talking about this carbon tax. And it's like, yeah, there should have been a carbon tax 100 years ago, you know, because that's what's going to happen. In a 1,000 years from now, when they dig up Dr. Lynch's tomb, they're going to find an inch of black junk, and that's carbon. And all that will be coming from our atmosphere. It'll be coming from, from everything, because that's so what the universe is really made of. Basically. We're not us, not me and you, but they're destroying the earth, basically. Oh, oh yeah. Oh, yeah. They're going out of their way. But, but yeah, but at the same time, they produce a product like uh, a plasma TV or, or uh, you know, a, a television. It's totally made of plastics, totally made from the oil companies. If the oil companies never sold gasoline ever again, they would still make it in plastics. They would wow. still make it in computer parts. Gasoline should be free. Okay, think of this. Your car, back when I was a kid, was made of solid steel. And so you had to pay steel workers to build it. Today, it's plastic. It's all plastic. So guess who gets both of it? 
The car is made of plastic, which comes from oil. Oil, gasoline comes from oil. So if you just charge me $10,000 more for my car and give me free gasoline, the oil companies would still make a profit. Yeah, yeah, it's wow, that's so crazy. Yeah, okay, okay, it's like this. It's like I had a friend, he bought a brand new car. And I go, yeah, you did, you brought a brand new car. He goes, yeah, he goes, it's great. And I go, well, what gas, I mean, what fuel do you have? What kind of fuel do you have? And he goes, well, I got gasoline. I said, why? Isn't that a monopoly? Can't you go out there and get other fuel, like electricity now with Tesla or hydrogen or something different? And it looked at me kind of funny. He says, no, because we've, we've been indoctrinated that polluting the planet and using oil is the only way to go. Yeah. And then they lie to you. It's like saying there's not enough health care there's not enough health care in America to go around for everybody. That's bogus. That is, that is so bogus. We have, we throw away tons and tons of medical supplies, uh, pharmaceuticals that have passed expiration. And then when they don't have enough, we import it from Canada or England or whatever. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. We'll always have more than what we need. Yeah. The point is that we're being told that it's a rarity. That's why costs keep going up, because it's rare. Well, diamonds are supposed to be rare, too, but they're not. If you let all the diamonds go, they'll flood the market, and the diamond will be worth about a dollar, not $10,000 for an engagement. That's why they're $10,000, because there's a line that's saying it's rare. I see what you're saying. Russia holds back their hoard. The, the South Africa holds back a lot. And then, then they tell you, oh, well, you know, we have a limited supply. Really? When you have billions of diamonds lying around in vaults and hundreds of thousand gallons of gasoline in tanks, and you own the oil well, you own the ship that, that takes the oil someplace you own the refinery in which the oil is being refined at and then you own the gas station where the gas is then being distributed and you're telling me that we're running out wow you know there should be oil companies right now should be investing in wind and solar period the end because by hook or crook they're either going to kill us and there won't be another, it won't be us anymore. And there won't be any wildlife either. Or they need to go into something else that at least will save the planet. And windmills do, don't kill birds. They killed one bird on one video. And that's what everyone's talking about. But that's not. Anyway, all I'm saying is we have limited time. And, okay, uh, Major Ed Dames said one time, he said, if you take um, certain kind of worms and you put them in a food, like flour or wheat, the worms populate until they consume it all. They don't curb their appetite or their population until they're down to absolutely nothing. 
and then they all die. You know, and that that's that's kind of the way we are. He was a good guest, Abe Major Ed Dames. I oh, yeah. talked to him. I wonder if he's still around. Oh yeah, yeah. I heard he was still around. Uh, I heard him on an interview not too long ago, and I was really shocked. But but yeah, oh yeah. Some of these old timers, man, they've got some stories. They got some stories to tell you, uh, some war stories. And yeah. it's it's not that you know we're young as a species. We're kind of young as a species. Yeah, it's because we're dumb too. You know, like we don't know. You know, because like, yeah. we don't know what we don't know. To, to sum everything up, because I got another podcast at nine thirty. Oh, oh yeah, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Your, it was eight ten your time. I okay. I have another podcast at eight thirty your time. So like okay. we got twenty minutes. Okay. But um, I'm, I I wanted to but like like getting into the UFO hearing. This shows you how young of a species we are. That right. goes. Those government people were lost in that hearing today. Yeah. You know, it was like oh, yeah. some of them knew some stuff, some of them didn't, some of them were questioning, and it's just like, who has the power here, and who knows, it's like Linda Moulton Howell, says, there's a couple people in Black Ops projects that know what's going on, and then there's these people that are trying to maybe make a difference, but they don't know what the fuck's, or excuse my mind, they don't know what's going on at all, they don't know no, anything. they don't, no, they don't they're, they're, they're paid politicians, I mean, they don't know anything, um, um, it's like this. It's like, it's like this in the old days. And I, and I mean, right after the war, uh, world war two, um, and going into Vietnam, there were a handful, five guys, five guys that had, that, that handled it all. Okay. And then when those five guys retired, well, then they had four or five more guys inherited their positions are you talking about MJ-12? But I think it was. Oh, yeah, yeah. Let's just, let's just use that as an example. Uh, Sons of Aquarius, the same thing. Jason, the same thing. And uh, and um, Mr. Mullen, who was uh, part of this, uh, you know, he had the clearances to go out to Area 51, and he was part of this Stars to the Academy um, division and things like that. He would know. Okay, his dad got him that job. He's going to know Chris Mullen. Okay, so the point being is that there are people, they have retired, they've walked away, and they know, okay, because they, they were meant to know, and they have to know, they have to know. This is government, national security level stuff, okay? So the guys that toyed around with remote, technical remote viewing or remote viewing were toying with it. There's other guys today that, Man, there's no there's no guesswork. There's nothing. Yeah. Did you see my interview with Buddy Bolton? Um, you gotta go check that out on my channel. He uh, yeah, he's a remote viewer. He was telling me that like you know he didn't start doing unvive. You know he he remote viewed ETs and stuff for Linda Moulton Howe. That's how I found out about him. Oh yeah, I emailed yeah. him and set something up. You know, but um, he was saying that he didn't start with you know unverifiable unverifiable targets like ETs and moon bases and stuff like that until he could nail regular targets so that's, that's right. where the pointer at they, they they can nail you know and lynn buchanan he he, he remote viewed three et species i had him on my show he yeah. said the the bad ones are um interest the bad ones and the good ones are interested in us i said this on another show the good ones want us to be out in the galaxy because of our psychic abilities because we have long-range psychic abilities whereas yeah. the aliens to control us they have to be over us to to, to right. And then they can paralyze us. Right. But we have there some of the bad ones are afraid of us because of our long range psychic abilities. Do you agree with that? Oh yeah. Oh absolutely. Okay, now we're gonna close down. So I just want to put this out there. 
uh, this is the Dr. Lynch twist at the end. All of your memories and all of this reality is a hologram in a holographic state. So you're not only remembering this reality, your subconscious is, is taking the entire thing and putting it into your memory. Okay. So, so you may be reading a book, but the subconscious is already out there collecting the hologram for the memory. So anytime you go back through hypnosis or whatever, you can see that memory in a holographic state. So our brain is designed for holograms, holographic reality, holographic memory. And that's a quantum, I mean, it's a, it's a major step up over a deer. Now, a deer has consciousness, it has a soul uh, that survives. But does it, is it self-aware? How self-aware are we? And that's what the, the, the human species has got to evolve into is how aware are we? Are we aware of ourselves? Are we aware of the world? Are we aware of extraterrestrials? another planet, Xanadu, or whatever. We need to expand that awareness and quit and quit looking at, oh, that's just impossible. We'll never figure this out. No. Everything is possible. It's just whether you have the imagination and the tools to investigate. And once that happens, then you can assimilate it into something very practical. That's and, that's, and that's what, okay. And, and before I, before I walk out, I think I've said this before another uh, on your show. I think it was the Russian, the former Russian president before Vladimir Putin uh, said, Gorbachev. no, no, it was a Malivdiv, Malivdiv or okay. something like that. Anyway, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, he said that every morning he gets, receives a briefcase. In the briefcase will be the football, which is the, the key that you turn to launch the nuclear codes, or the nuclear codes to launch the nuclear weapons, and a file that you will open up, and there's a list of 10 or 15 names. And those names are the extraterrestrials that will be on the planet at any given time. Wow, I didn't know that. So, so Bill Clinton, or, or uh, I'm sorry, Joe Biden, Donald Trump, they would have that same list. If not, the Secretary of the Defense would have that list every morning, every morning. And so, so let's say there's a Venusian, or let's say there's a Venusian in the, in the Pentagon. There's there a, is. a Syrian. We want yeah, to, you know. yeah, yeah, there's a, there's a Syrian on, in Japan. There's, you know, someone somewhere, you know, doing something. And their, their level of influence goes way beyond whatever senator, politician, congressman, president is out there. Their clearances are not high enough for them to understand or know. But these extraterrestrials are on the planet, and they look, and they act a lot like us. We're their camouflage. But they have the awareness of a lot more. Their horizon is a lot more expanded than us. So we're down here grumbling around with oil and working around the dirt. These guys are like saying, if you could get to one more planet, two more planets, get the resources, develop something even far greater than oil, then, then 
all of this, yeah, then it would work. You know, and and if you talked, if you talk to a few people, they're going to tell you that all of our pharmaceuticals are going to give way; they'll just be obsolete. And and the next level will be something that you'll take that will er- help you absorb tachyons in order to revive you, to kill off viruses, to slow down your aging. Okay, but we've got to expand our thinking, get out of quantum, because there's nothing, very little or nothing to do, do you think, with uh, consciousness. Do you, do you think the last question I have, do, I mean, and I, I really didn't get off, but, but do No, you, no, that's all right. I, I'm, I, we'll do this we next time, have, man. Like life longevity before we, before me and you, you know, exit this mortal coil, do you think we'll see life longevity stuff? Oh, yeah. Oh, it's happening now. It's already happening now. They have calculated through medical means. Uh, if we could replace like your liver or your lungs or your spleen every 50 years, it will give you another 50 years of life. Now, you, the mitochondrial DNA in the human body is breaking down. And so everyone runs around and says, oh, you have, you're diabetic or whatever, when actually it's lead poisoning. We have more lead in our atmosphere and everywhere else that's breaking down our mitochondrial DNA. And it gives you the same reaction, mercury poisoning and lead poisoning are almost the same thing as being diabetic. It breaks down the same organs at the same time. But, it, but if, until the mitochondrial DNA is replenished, replenished, then we'll have to swap out a body parts or organ parts in order to maintain it. I have okay. one question. Do you think C60 could help protect against that kind of stuff? C60. Hit me. It's C60 is carbon, carbon 60. It's uh buckyballs. Um oh, oh yeah. No, 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 no. Buckyballs are great for for uh deploying. Radiation. Yeah, deploying it. But no, uh, the cellular body, uh the bodies of our DNA, the DNA that we have, cannot mutate. Uh, it can mutate, but it can't evolve until you put something else into it. So stem cell therapy and pineal gland therapy has been able to increase um, longevity. HGH was the old program. Now it's uh, stem cell, you know, but you have to get your stem cells from someplace that doesn't have that problem in it, like cancer or leukemia or something like that what about and so have you ever heard of a pithalon pithalon it's a sub it's one of those life 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 living um life um and long lo, longevity supplements it's called a pithalon e-p-i-t-h-l-o-n yeah. pithalon yeah. you know no, I've, I've uh there's a lot of those supplements yeah. now though there's a lot of them that are saying that they'll they'll extend your telomeres and yeah. stuff like that, you know, like I, I don't know if that, that's true or what. Okay, T- telomeres has nothing to do with aging. I, I, I thought found it that. Did. I, I know. Telomeres shortening that, and you aged. No, it's it's we're it's it's a sign of aging. It is not controlling your aging process. That process is controlled directly in your genome code, in your gene code. How do that's you alter that? You just told me. Oh, you, yeah, you, you inject new stem cells with new information into your body so it reanimates that organ or liver or blood or whatever, and then you do it with stem cells. Stem cells from a host 
that uh, can correct your problems with your DNA. So as one DNA breaks down, the other one comes in and, and recoils and then puts it right back. And then that's how you extend it. So let's just, okay, uh, there's a couple of minutes left and I'll, I'll, I'll go. Think of it, okay, if I get stem cells from a turtle that lives to be 150 years old and I give it to you in certain parts of your body, your body, if it accepts the new DNA code, would then age like a turtle. Slowly. <laughs> Slowly. That's right. That's right. But because of our diet and our atmosphere, the pollution and the junk that's around us, we age so much faster. There are people, there are people, you know, 40 years old that look like they're 80. Yeah. You know, and they, and it's, it, it's all because the health and the, and the medicines that they've got are tainted and because people quit carrying, whether you, there has not been a cure and not been a cure for Jack in a thousand years. I mean, just think of it. The only cure that we have is uh, polio, uh, mumps, measles, and rubella. And that's for children. But yeah. we don't have a cure you know, for cancer. You no, know. that's right. That's right. We don't have a cure for cancer. No, they give you chemotherapy. The chemotherapy is junk. It's Kill junk. You. Well, yeah. one thing I found is, and you probably heard me talk about this pod on my podcast, is you can take um, beta glucans and polysaccharides, and right. they help open up the cell. I take beta glucans. I have some right here. If people want to see it, I have this. This is a fresh cap thrive six. It has uh, six different kinds of mushrooms, and it helps hold it up. This is a it's a mushroom powder. It has a reishi, uh, chaga, turkey tail, cordyceps, and lion's mane. It's just for prevention. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, it, well I, I, like I said, the dinosaurs didn't die because of an asteroid or a meteorite. They died because their immune systems couldn't keep up with the changing environment that they were in. If we poison ourselves enough, our immune systems can't kick in either. They'll be inhibited. And so therefore, if I, take, if I eat a lot of donuts, and they're bad for my health, let's just say, and my mitochondrial DNA doesn't keep up with it, then my immune system is definitely not going to keep up with it. And then, then there'll be a, a virus or a, a uh, influenza situation, which my immune system can't, com can't fight, and it'll kill me. Yeah. I mean, the plague happened. One third of the population during the plague in Europe died because they had no immunity to it and no resistance. It happened twice. Yeah. It may have happened three times during the Roman Empire. But the, the point being is that if your immune system cannot keep up with the ever-changing tide of viruses, you will die. Your immune system can't function, cannot function. Yeah. And, and you will die. So the more garbage that's in the air, garbage that's in our food, uh, is not helping us stay healthy and fit and young and stuff like that. Yeah. Well, tell everybody where they can find you in case oh. uh, they, they want to get paranormal investigations or sure. they want to have you on their show or something like that. Yeah, um, I'm. Uh, you can find me on Facebook. I'm on Facebook and I'm also on YouTube and you can just type in Michael Lynch. It should come up. Uh, I, I have a series on there. I put up a new video tonight of something I did in 2014, which has about a thousand entities on it. 
So if you want to see something like that, it's only 30 minutes long. And also I, I've done something called ex exterior forces and exterior forces talks about the construct of consciousness outside the body. And what's eluded us, uh, the impenal investigator, uh, a lot was that we just, again, couldn't see the forest because of the trees. We couldn't see the trees because of the forest, but it was, but the, the environment for paranormal research is so vast, so big that um, you could, you know, try uh, a scattergun type of approach, or you could just surgically attack certain areas. And that, that's what I've done in order for them to show us kind of the way. And so in one in instance, you know, someone comes to me and says, uh, I got a full body apparition. I was saying that's like 1% of the entire paranormal world. Um, you're lucky because a lot of times what I get is orbs and consciousness, raw consciousness, but it's in an environment of tachyons and it is comprised of focused tachyons. So thank you, Robert, for inviting me on and we'll talk more. And this closure project is going to, is going to happen whether Dr. Greer does whatever he does. Uh, I think what he's doing is a little, little dangerous, but um some people are ready to evolve. They're ready to see a, a broader horizon. And, um, you know, that's what we're here for. I agree. I totally agree. All right. Well, I'll, I'll talk to you soon. We'll have to do another one of these in a couple of Oh, yeah. Months. We just got started. Thank you very much, Robert. All right, doc, thanks, Dr. Lynch. I'll talk to you soon. Okay. Bye.